this afternoon. It will be dropped to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, and it's entitled, Left Behind. Good afternoon, everyone. Steve said he wished he had a memory like a computer. I've got one like a computer. You asked me a question, and I have this blank stare. It's just my computer downloading. <laughs> it was much better in my younger days, but I've <clears throat> left that all behind. On a sheet of paper, uh, would you take a little bit of time to write down on perhaps the bulletin that you have uh, something that you might like to accomplish as we go into 2015, this, this new year, the coming year? And uh, if you can't think of anything right now, maybe throughout the sermon here uh, that you might think of something, you can write it down then. And then uh, I'll, I'll take them all up. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, you know me. I like the kid. So as we begin to adjust to the new year, have we thought much about what 2015 might bring? Might bring to us, you know, personally, or to the nation, or to the church in the coming year? There's a lot of things in the world we'd like to see change. We don't know what kind of changes there will be, but... Uh, as far as thinking about what 2015 might be, uh, we probably ha really haven't thought that much. I don't think many of us are too worried, and we need not be overly concerned because, you know, as the scripture says, to not worry needlessly over, over things that are, are on the morrow. We know that things are in God's hands and that we are in God's hands, and so uh, we have comfort in knowing that we can face whatever is coming. Uh, by depending and trusting in God. Nevertheless, here are a few questions that uh, we might want to consider to help us to think ahead. Where are we in Bible prophecy? And uh, how near are we to the end of the age? Three and a half years? Seven years? Ten years? Uh, we don't know. I don't know. I don't think any of us really know, uh, and who can really say, but you know, there are some who have in the past made uh, very detailed predictions about what is to come, even so far as the set dates, and they just never, they just never transpire. Now, for some, the question may be more about what it will take to get through whatever is ahead, what will be needed for uh, physical survival or spiritual survival and what will it take to not get left behind in the book of Matthew chapter 24 uh, starting verse 4 uh, we see where the disciples came to Christ to show him the buildings of the temple Jesus said unto him you see all of these things but truly I say unto you there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down so he was telling them that this beautiful temple is going to be left in ruin and that this, this uh, place of worship, this symbol of God's glory would become a rubble. 
And so as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him and they pri and privately and saying, well, tell us when shall these things be? You know, uh, that's a question that we sometimes ask, that, you know, that word, when, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto, unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now we know that those disciples are dead and they're buried, but these words of Christ are living words. They have meaning for us today as his disciples. These, uh, we might say, well, we are end-time disciples. But, you know, there's uh, other disciples yet to come. But these are to those, those students, those pupils, that's what a disciple is, or a follower of Christ, their pupils, their learners, to those who are willing to listen and to pay attention to what he has to say. But these uh, deceivers are going to come in his name, that is, by his authority, claiming that, you know, that they have his authority to say uh, the things that uh, is being preached. So deception, we see, is the first thing uh, that is mentioned to watch out for. And, you know, there's a greater risk of being deceived if a person gets those itching ears, itching ears. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto uh, fables. So this is that time Christ warned about, warned his disciples to take heed of. The uh, NIV puts it this way, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, but will gather around themselves teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear and they will turn aside unto myths. So as I mentioned earlier, there were prophecies made a long time ago that just you know, have, have never really been fulfilled, have never come to pass at the time they said it would pass, and many you know, fell for those things, believed in those things. Back in 1940, it was declared that uh, Britain will be conquered by the Nazis. But before that prediction, it was said that Christ would return in 1936. Then in 1940, Christ will come after 3.5 years of tribulation on, in October of 43. Again, 1956, Britain will collapse into famine and anarchy in three to five years. By 1966, the admonition was to prepare for famine in the U.S. within three to five years, which, we, you know, which would make it around uh, 1970. But those times, those uh, events that were predicted, you know, they have not... Uh, come to pass. And there are hundreds of others uh, such proclamations. And while scripture says that whosoever claims uh, that they speak in the name of the Lord and makes a prophecy that does not come to pass, that we're not to fear uh, that person. But here in Matthew chapter 24, we see the sure word of Christ. We see the sure word of prophecy telling his disciples what to look for. He said you're going to hear of wars, verses 6 through 8. 
He said you're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear rumors of wars. But in essence, don't let it trouble you. Because all these things must first come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. So all of these things, some look to escape. Some look to escape these things through a rapture. I, some time ago, I talked about the secret rapture and will you be left behind. Uh, belief in the rapture is taught, you know, in many churches, and the event is so compelling that, you know, documentaries, that uh, films, that uh, TV uh, shows, uh, videos, all of that are made about this coming rapture when everyone mysteriously disappears from the face of the earth. Like in this one book uh, where uh, they're on a flight on an airplane where uh, a woman is looking for her husband and um, he, he's gone and they thought, well, he's gone to the restroom. Uh, but then he said, well, my husband is a devout Christian and um, I, I, and he left his clothes, and I don't think he would oh, he would be embarrassed if he were naked. But so uh, the depiction of this rapture, just in this one scenario, is that you have these pants hanging over the seat uh, of the uh, the chair, and going on down to empty socks and empty shoes. Everything that's left behind is you know uh, uh, their clothes, and so they go off on this rapture. I don't mean to really make a whole lot of fun of that because some people, you know, sincerely uh, believe that is what's going to happen. And one of the good things, I suppose, about believing in a rapture is that it will keep you probably close to God, close to Jesus Christ and doing the things that you need to do. But just as the story goes, before the world erupts into chaos, uh, there will come this rapture. I meant to bring uh, uh, this book. Uh, left behind and uh, just to read a few excerpts from it <laughs> but I think it's just like the last time I left it behind <laughs> must be uh, I shouldn't read from that or something I don't know but again why a rapture when we know that the eternal our God can protect his people wherever they are in any situation let's go to the uh, book of Psalms Chapter 91, uh, beginning in verse 7. It says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall uh, deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. So there should be no doubt that God is capable of protecting his people anywhere if you take a look at his word and trust in those words. Verse 5, You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand 
shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come close to you. So we see this, this protection that is there. We put our trust in it. And, you know, when things like this are happening, there's always a tendency to think, well, you know, you, you hope you're protected. And uh, you hope you have the rock. The insurance, which we find in God's, in God's word. But uh, believers in the rapture say that the second coming of Christ will be in two stages. The first stage will be secret and unseen, and that will be before the tribulation. The second stage will be visible to every eye and follows the tribulation and ends with his revelation in glory at Armageddon. Now, these are little excerpts that I took from this one book uh, that I had been reading. Scripture describes, however, only one second coming of Christ. In Matthew 24 and uh, verse 30, it's says then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and shall see the son of man coming and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other so we see that there is sight and sound connected with his second return and the lord himself shall descend uh, this is in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Be sure I gave that to Brian, yeah. Shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. You know, that's where sometimes you get the word rapture carried or snatched away together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord the eternal but those verses don't really prove a rapture like some say it does that there are two stages in a so-called uh, rapture sequence instead the scriptures show that there is a coming resurrection of the dead along, uh, in Christ along with those living at the return of Christ who returns with a shout and the great sound of the last trumpet in a single stage, not two. So there's nothing to the secret rapture, but because it's going to be one of sight and sound. In Matthew 24, verse 27, because as the lightning that is talking of the sun comes out of the east, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him when Christ descends from heaven the righteous will then be clothed in immortality you know sometimes at least I do sometimes I picture well you know Christ is going to be a, a flash there in the east and that is when everyone is going to see him but you know the earth is round and as the sun goes from east to the west uh, you know it goes makes its, it makes, makes its uh, move that where every eye can see him don't know just want to be there or uh, be risen from the grave but those who are alive at that time will be those who have come through tribulation having not been deceived by man and they you know they won't be left behind on the earth but will go over to Jerusalem where the kingdom of God will be established 1 Corinthians 15 
verse 48. This is what we look forward to, all of us, I think. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And we, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So there's a time coming when, you know, we're going to change from earthy to heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So that must first take place. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So a change from mortal flesh to immortal spirit must first occur even entering, uh, before entering the kingdom of God. So, as I mentioned before, hope in a rapture may keep one Christ-centered, but, you know, when tribulation erupts uh, and, and they're not lifted off, they may think themselves, well, they've been left behind. But God's people will be prepared. How will they be prepared? be prepared. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, they will know this. We'll just go on to Romans, chapter 8, verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those who are depending upon uh, Christ to save them, to protect them, to give them a means of escape, there's a lot of things here that, that if you put your faith in these words, no matter what happens, you will be protected. Because as mentioned earlier, you know, uh, we will not be tempted above what we are able to endure. So, Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So, whatever you're looking for in the year to come as a way of escape, or as a way to uh, keep, keep on trucking, like we used to say in the old days in the 60s. Uh, keep on trucking, keep on going on, because we can look and trust in the Word of God. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 24 and pick up in verse 9. It tells us this, that then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So these Christian believers, these believers in God and Jesus Christ are going to be afflicted and some of them are going to be killed. They're not going to be lifted off. 
to that place of safety. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So we see these, these words, many shall be offended for whatever reason and will cause them to betray one another and then to hate one another. And then we see that many false prophets in verse 11 shall rise and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Especially the love of God. The, uh, when you see so many things taking place that are lawless, it's just going to be like the norm for people. Iniquity is going to be so prevalent that love, the love of many, shall wax cold. But when we look at these things here in Matthew 24, these things have been going on ever since Christ spoke of them. But we are to be opposite those things in our life and to resolve to not do them. And knowing all these things that are coming to pass requires us as disciples of Christ to learn how to apply uh, the following statement in our life. You know, as Reggie mentioned, it's uh, saying that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so when we come to verse uh, 13 here in Matthew 24, it says that he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. And as the uh, New International Version puts it, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So that's what endurance is about. And whatever you write down in your, uh, on your little bulletin there, what you would like to resolve to do in the coming year, uh, try not to forget that. Try, try to uh, see it through. Endurance is about being steadfast. It's about perseverance. Endurance, steadfast, perseverance. These are the tools for spiritual uh, survival. Not everything will go our way. There will be things that will come against it to where we might lose ground, two steps forward, four steps back, ever how you want to phrase that, uh, because there are things that could be outside our control. Those things are going to have effects on us. They're going to counter our hope. They're going to uh, counter our faith if we don't endure and persevere to the aim and to the hopes that we have ahead, those resolves. In Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 61, we see here where one uh, decided that he wanted to follow Christ. And he, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So it has to be a looking forward and not a looking back. And even though there are experiences that we've had in the previous year, 2014, 2013, 2012, on back, we can't look too far back to where it begins to hold us back. We have to look forward, and sometimes it's easier, uh, not <laughs> it's easier said than done because we have this thing called procrastination. At least I do. You know, you plan on doing something good. You plan on uh, 
doing a, a thing that you set your mind to do, but for some reason you just wait to the last minute. But Christ was saying this to one who was willing to follow, but he was not ready to let go. But once you start, the idea is to see it through. And it takes some spiritual sacrifice to concentrate on following God. To begin and then to stop, you know, is not good. It, it breaks the, the momentum. The Christian life, then we see, is one of plowing ahead, of, you know, persistence to get it done, doing whatever it takes to endure the heat of the sun, the, uh, the uh, work, the weariness, overcoming those things. Some, you know, think that once you begin the Christian life, everything is going to fall into place. You are automatically saved. You don't need to persevere. But as we have read, Scripture says, he that endures unto the end the same uh, shall be saved. So to not do that would be a risk to spiritual survival. So there are many things in our life that needs to be endured and overcome. And I have some of these lists here. Maybe you even have written some of those things down for yourself, because I'm not going to take them up unless you want me to. Here is a resolve that we must have. Let's look at Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, the good news to that city, and had taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through uh, much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. So if you have a Bible, you could underline con, uh, continue in the faith. Maybe that's one of your resolves to do in the coming year. And, you know, not look to myths like uh, 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 deceptive things that might be a, a way that misleads us. The disciples were exhorted here to continue in the faith because it will be through much tribulation that they will enter in the kingdom. So that's one result to make. There are probably uh, hundreds of others, but that's one. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved bre uh, brethren, be you steadfast, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, believing and trusting in the salvation that Christ has uh, made for us. So to abound in the work of the Lord. Maybe that's another resolve that you could uh, write down. Abound in the work of the Lord. Continue in the faith and abound in the work of the Lord. And as I mentioned before, you know, there are things that uh, can distract us from following Christ. And Reggie also mentioned that uh, the very last about how one of Satan's strategies is to uh, make us waste our time, make us waste our energy on things that don't really mean anything. So a person has to be wise. They have to know what, you know, things that they need to do in their life. 
and approach it with a, a resolve to do as much uh, good as possible. Uh, the third thing, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, watch ye, it says, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Verse uh, 14, let all your things uh, be done with charity, things to think about. So watch and stand firm in the faith is another resolve that we could uh, uh, look upon or go to whenever we might have some sort of thing that might be hindering us from keeping to our resolve. The fourth thing, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we don't give up. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And that same thing is said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, to be not weary in well-doing. The fifth thing, Ephesians 6, and we'll go to verse 18 because Reggie went ahead and uh, gave you what, the armor of God, what things to, to do. Is this a resolve that we have made to put on the whole armor of God? Sometimes we might put on just one thing and leave ourselves exposed to uh, other wiles and the strategies of, of Satan. So put on the whole armor of God to withstand in the evil day, but looking to this, praying always because this is how we will be able to fulfill our resolve by putting on the armor of God. We can't do this by ourselves, by our own strength. So we have to pray. So we have to look to God. We have to look to Christ to help us in the time ahead. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all uh, perseverance and supplication for all saints. It's good to pray for others. And it's good that others know to pray for you. So it's together in a prayerful attitude. When our names are mentioned before the throne of God, then we're able to persevere. We're able to get, draw upon the spiritual strength of others and, and trust God that he can do the rest. Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 23. And this will be the uh, sixth. Sixth thing. Pre uh, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made uh, a minister. So, to continue in the faith grounded and settled. And sometimes, you know, we're uh, oftentimes not settled. Maybe we're not well grounded. And that takes, you know, just learning. It takes time. It takes experience and wisdom. So we heard earlier how that the, the faithful that are listed in Hebrews 11 had to endure various trials. Just as... Uh, 
just as those people that had to endure those uh, various trials of affliction, they died without having received the promises, but yet they held on, they persevered, they endured, because it says uh, God ha having provided some better thing for us that they without us should be made perfect. So their examples are examples of endurance that we too should be steadfast, having uh, perseverance and leaving behind sin and, and going forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3, so we see that, you know, Christ is our rock, that he is our strength, that he is our salvation. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul is saying this, and this is the attitude that we should take in the year or the future that is to come. Press toward, I press toward, he said, to, there we go, <laughs> I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse uh, 14, uh, that was verse 14. I didn't have this all down on my paper, so I had to rely on the words at the back. So, in the coming year, let it be our resolve to do what it takes to do better, spiritually and in whatever need that we uh, aim for. Let it be our resolve. So, as you take a look at what you've written down, that must be important. That must be something that you think you really need to improve on. So, uh, be it resolved that this is what you will do in the coming year.